What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. What's up, everybody? Wells hanging out, Seacrest Studios in Burbank, California. Excited about the show today. Um, we're going to have uh, Matt Stell on the show. And coming up in just a couple of minutes, I'll kind of give you all the the stats and statistics about this uh, amazing singer. But first, I want to talk about, it was a couple nights ago that the Grammys were at the Staples Center. And I was doing the pre-show with Justin Sylvester and uh, Simon who's on a different radio station that we shan't not talk about. Um, but it was a weird thing. Like, you know, I've had a radio show since I was 16 years old, right? Like, I've only ever done this one thing. And getting to do a pre-show at the Grammys was like bucket list stuff for me. Like, I've done now the Emmys and um, People's Choice and the Golden Globes, and that's fun and all, but, like, I'm not an actor, so, like, it doesn't really affect me in the way that the Grammys does, and I gotta say, it was such an elation walking into it, knowing that I was gonna get to do this childhood dream of mine, and then the crazy news breaks that Kobe Bryant, the Black Mamba's helicopter goes down, and then it just changes everything. I mean, it changed our scripts, for one, but then it started changing the narrative of the night, and then you started thinking, oh man, we're doing this in the building that Kobe built. The building that's got not one but two of his jerseys retired up in the rafters. It was just a very, very surreal moment in time. And a lot of artists we felt weren't walking the carpet because people didn't want to answer questions about it. People, you know, wanted to be respectful of, you know, the, the kind of the lore that is Kobe Bryant. It was just a really, really crazy, weird evening. And it's just so sad because he was such an amazing athlete. He was so um he was so inspirational to not only like just plebeians like 
you and I, but like also like the people around him in basketball. I mean, the guy won a freaking Oscar. So, anyways, it was just a crazy night. Thoughts and prayers go out to not only Kobe's family, but to all the other families that were in the helicopter. Um, and just it's like one of those things. I saw my fiance like kind of like insta story a picture of me and she was like today's one of those days that makes you remember to like kiss someone you love and tell them that you love them because you don't know when you're not going to be able to tell them that and that's just kind of like this f is long diatribe whoever you um are around right now just say hey you know what i love you because you're great anyways speaking of people who are oh oh i do want to tell one story of the Grammys. Okay, so I don't know if you guys saw the... I did the Glam Bot, which is silly because not famous. But, you know, I sat in line, and I was like, I'm going to do the freaking Glam Bot. And um, I don't know if you guys saw, there was Baby Yoda behind me in the Glam Bot. So if you go to my Instagram, you can see it. And Baby Yoda is in the background. And freaking Baby Yoda and his handler, I don't even know what you call him, Tried to cut me in line. Me and Justin Sylvester, he tried to cut us in line. And we're like, hey, listen, Jim Henson, <laughs> pump the brakes, bro. All right, we've been sitting in line for a long time, all right? So he tries to cut us in line. We're like, no, it's not happening. So we, like, you know, in honor of Kobe, boxed him out. And we're like, no, dude, we're going to do this first. And then guess who shows up and gets to cut in line in front of all of us? But Flavor Flav! <laughs> Which is fine, okay? Flavor Flav can cut us in line. He's wearing this amazing, bedazzled, bejeweled, like, purple jacket. And we're looking at his back, and Justin and I are very confused at what we see. Is that... Is that one of those ink things still attached to the jacket? Oh, yeah. It is. Flavor Flav stole that jacket, all right? And you know what? That's the most Flavor Flav thing I've ever heard, and props to you. But someone at Nordstrom is like, what happened? <laughs> this week on the Wells Cast, we have Matt Stell, his multi-week number one hit, Prayed For You, uh, which has over 160 million streams is the only debut artist single to top the Billboard Country Airplay chart in 2019. In addition to holding the number one for two consecutive weeks on Billboard, uh, Stell's hit top country air check slash media base air, airplay chart as well. Um, this guy is awesome. I got to see him in the elevator. He's very good looking, ladies. Um, we're going to find out if he's single for you. Um, he's also very, very tall. So coming up on the Wells cast, the one, the only, Matt Stell. Stick around. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian Cocktail Maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day. 
with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back of the Wells cast. Wells hanging out with you. I've got uh, Matt Stell in the studio. How are you, buddy? Ben, I'm doing great. Yeah? I'm doing great, yeah. Kind of sad day here in, uh, I know. in L.A., but other than that, yeah. You, um, God, I wish this was a television show. You could see how devilishly good-looking Matt is. But you're also <laughs> quite tall. This is true. You're yeah. like, what, 6'5"? Six, 6'7", six, yeah. 6'7". Yeah. Wow. Okay, so, I mean... Did you play basketball growing up? I did play basketball growing yeah. up. I did. Yeah, that was my that was my first love and then uh that dream was was uh euthanized mm-hmm. by uh uh Joe Johnson one time in, in a uh, in a pro am league. I that's when I first learned that I was not I was not going to the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, did you grow up a uh, a Black Mamba fan? Man, I did. I mean, Kobe was uh you know, Kobe was you know, back then we had you know whatever those games would be on NBC on the on the Sunday games or whatever, and and those those Laker teams were, I mean they were just such a national thing. I just grew up watching Kobe, and he was the guy, and uh, you know he's meant so much to the game uh, since then. You know since his prime, and you know he's just a a figure that's larger than life. And um, you know what a what what devastating news you know for basketball fans and just for you know people who grew up with uh, him in their lives. Yeah. In the intro, I was saying, you know, my fiance, like what she took away from it was don't forget to like tell your friends and loved ones like how much they mean to you because you never know yeah. how much time you got. And I thought that was kind of apropos. Um, but I don't want to do this because I did, I did a lot of this, this kind of like Kobe talk yesterday at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to, as much as I want to celebrate Kobe, I want to celebrate your career as well. Yeah. Um, so, Let's kind of pivot away from that. Um, I want to talk about Prayed for You for a second. Sure. Um, can we first play a clip of it just so everyone can kind of get the vibe? Every single day before I knew your name, I couldn't see your face, but I prayed for you. Every heartbreak trail went on. 
over 160 million streams is what I'm seeing. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's uh, crazy is the right word for it, man. You know it. Um, and I wrote that song with two of my good friends in Nashville, and and we just kind of put it out into the world. And um, you know, as a songwriter, you you know, you hope that uh, that song, it, you know, that that folks will gravitate towards something that means something to them. And um, you know, it's just been a crazy ride for sure. What does that song mean to you? Well, you know, that song means a, a lot of different things to me. You know, just from a from a writer, you know, we were trying to write a song about a about a character that ends up being a lot like me and that he's a lot luckier than he deserves, you know. And um, you know, just sort of the idea that if you if you persevere, you allow for good things to maybe happen, you know, that's that's sort of um the subject matter of the song, but you know, the song means so much to me in terms of um it just changed my life, you know. I moved to Nashville to to be a songwriter and and uh, you know, to be an artist and that's the the vehicle through which all those things happen. So um it it uh, it means it means quite a bit. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's a song that held number 1 for two consecutive weeks on Billboard, which is which is crazy. Um so congratulations. I mean, that's just really hard to do. Listen, I was a program director and music director and radio like that kind of stuff is really really hard to do so well it is done. man and and you know with me you know the song everything kind of begins with the song but but those kinds of things that's not where it, it that's a testament to the team that's around it um that that get it in front of the right people and that have a passion for it and uh you know Folks from from uh, labels to publishing, management, all those kinds of things. The thing we have in common is a passion for music, and um, you know when things like that happen, it's because passionate, talented people, uh, you know, make it their their dream to uh, to make my dreams come true. So um, you know, it's really a team win for sure. I don't know if anyone kind of told you what the premise of this show is, but um, I'm kind of obsessed with how people got to become famous. Everyone kind of knows the story of once they came on the scene, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that get you to the point of everyone knowing who the hell you are and that blue check mark on your Instagram handle, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I like to, to see like what the blueprint was for everyone that comes on the show. So I want to find out where did you come from and how did you get here? Sure. Well, you know, Kind of the long and short of it is I started playing music in college uh, because, you know, basketball is a winter sport, right? So you're on campus the whole uh, winter break, and I had a lot of hours to fill that um, Tiger Woods on PlayStation was what I used with my teammates for a lot <laughs> for a lot of it. Same. And then, uh, yeah, that was, man, another thing I, I really miss uh, is, <laughs> is, is that's the only game I've ever, like, bought the day it came out. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Um so we, we played a lot of PlayStation, and then, uh, you know, that just kind of got old. And my mom had got me this guitar when I was, like, 12 that I never just, you know, I just promptly put in a closet once my, I tried to do it and it couldn't do it that Christmas morning. Uh, and anyway, she brought it up to a home game. I asked her to bring the my guitar up, and I just sat in front of my computer screen watching uh, – or. Uh, uh, reading tab websites and oh, yeah. watching YouTube videos and things like that, trying to learn how to play guitar, you know. And um, it wasn't much long after that I sort of fell into uh, uh, singer-songwriters that had a more, you know, kind of country bent to it. A lot of it was coming out of uh, uh, Texas and Tennessee and things like that. And, uh, man, as soon as I could mash three chords together, I started writing songs. And um, really that's where the, the passion started for me. I, I really, um, you know, once I was done with school – uh, I just kind of hopped in a, 
a van and a or a truck or a whatever and and uh just played music everywhere they would let me and uh you know fought for attention over TVs and sometimes playing when the volume wasn't even off of the televisions there you know and um just trying to you know I, I guess in hindsight trying to get good but really I was just following my passion I was just doing what I wanted to do and um, that's really been sort of the the thread that's tied all of that stuff together is that um, when I'm passionate about something I have I don't have any trouble putting in the work um, at all so I just sort of followed that and um, millions of miles later and and uh, lots of really really crappy songs uh, <laughs> later kind of you know finally led to the opportunity to uh, to learn how to do it and to write songs with uh, talented people and uh, that's kind of in a nutshell you know it's looking back and on your journey you know you kind of have the the, the kind of some hindsight to see you know what the pivotal moments were they really didn't seem like it at the time it was just really a, a, a matter of following my passion though so you grow up in Center Ridge Arkansas mm-hmm. um, tell me about your family life do you have siblings I do so I you know I'm from Central Arkansas I grew up there and on the Florida Gulf Coast with my mom when she moved uh, uh, there for a period of time but yeah so I've got um, I've got a, a stepsister and a, a half brother and a half sister, but I mean we're we're pretty cool. We're just siblings, you know. We don't we're pretty close, and um, yeah, I grew up on on farms and in the country where you had to make your own fun, yeah, and uh, for better or for worse, and um, so that probably influences a lot of um, a lot of my you know perspective in terms of music, what I was listening to, and things like that, because it was you know. I loved all kinds of all kinds of music, but you know, country music's the default setting where I'm from, so. So you're six foot seven. When did when did you hit your growth spurt? Man, I think my first like learner, like hardback learner's permit for a driver's license yeah. when I was like fourteen or fifteen. I think I was five eleven. Okay. And then my soft when I came back to school after that summer, I think I'd grown like like four or five inches. I think I was like six three or six four by wow. that time. So there was some stretch in there where I like went to bed and then like woke up twice the person that I was the night yeah. before or something like that. So like freshman year, you were a point guard and then sophomore uh-huh. year, you were playing center pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, happened all at once for sure. Um, t- tell me about the, the progression from high school to college and playing college ball. Yeah. That, uh, transition was, um, it was a pretty big leap for me because I came from, you know, I had this passion for the game and, and, uh, you know, I played, you know, AAU, you know, ball, uh, like summer summer ball like like a lot of like everybody does you yeah. know um but i came from such a small place that um when i did get to get to college and get to around uh you know these better athletes and things like that the the learning curve was pretty steep for me so i spent a lot of time uh, i mean i you know i graduated high school weighing 180 pounds six you know at the, i grew like two inches in college too but i was like six five or something and like 180 pounds coming out of out of high school and then you know a lot of it was just physically uh, getting uh, on track, you know, gaining a bunch of weight and things like that. So where did you end up going to school? I went to Drury University, okay. which is in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, it was a great experience, man. Made made some lifelong friends and, uh, you know, memories that I'll, I'll always remember. And a lot of, uh, shaped me as a person in a lot of ways, you know, dealing with um, uh, new ideas in a new place and um, uh, whether that's basketball or in the classroom too. And, um, you know, spent... Those are some formative years for sure. When did you realize that 
the NBA probably wasn't going to be a reality. I realized the NBA wasn't going to be a reality when I played against LeBron in uh, what in uh, AAU. Yeah, one time. Yeah. Okay, rewind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, you need to say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, so I, I I just I went up. I can't even remember how I got. I think my stepdad uh, may have sought out. I can't remember the connection, but there was a travel team. I went up to play with this team out of Ohio that was in Akron. And, I mean, this was like LeBron was on uh, – had been on Sports Illustrated's cover already. I mean, it was sitting in the coach's room. And I went up and, and just joined a team, actually with some of his high school teammates, and uh, played twice against We actually won one of the games. He, he had like, you know, 18 and – nine and like a like a regular game and but those tournaments were like a round robin so then the finals of this tournament came and he he put about 45 on us <laughs> and, and i mean it was just like you know it, it becomes very evident that uh that you know where you're gonna where the ceiling is or where the floor is yeah. actually <laughs> and it's like uh you know i'm not unless i want to go to some eastern block european countries yeah. and uh and uh get out in the wilderness there for a little while you know and even then who knows but did you have to guard him yeah you were on him yeah for a minute there yeah i mean gu- did he posterize I, you I mean, like tell me what happened air man. quotes i air quotes guarded him no like <laughs> you know i just kind of tried to st- stand in front of him some <laughs> and um he's <laughs> just bigger faster i mean he was just it was a he was just a beast but um well he's not that much bigger than you he's what six eight He's he's like he is at least like he's nearly two inches taller than me. And at the time, I mean, you look at pictures of of LeBron back in those days, and he looks lanky. And he was was like two thirty, yeah. you know, two for now he's playing like he's got to weigh two hundred and seventy pounds. I mean, he is a, just a truck. And like, yeah, it was it was just like a different, it was, you know, it's just like a different uh, class. Of, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of athlete. It's it wasn't it was it was great. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, that's that's a bonker story. Just in yeah. Do you have a Do you have like a picture from it? There, you know, this is awful. But um, there is at my mom's house somewhere a VHS tape of one of those games, <laughs> and uh, I got I got a bucket. I, I'm, I'm proud of that. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know where it is. Unfortunately, I've looked for it a hundred times. Yeah. But, so hopefully, hopefully it wasn't taped over for somebody's recital or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it wasn't like yeah, Matt playing music someplace and we needed a video tape. <laughs> Mother's Day is coming and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you you play LeBron James, and you realize it's probably not going to go to the next level. Um, and mm-hmm. then you have your mom send up the guitar that you got when you were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what kind of guitar it was? It was a, a Honer guitar, yeah, it as was. a matter of fact. I, it's probably still, I think my aunt might, might still have that guitar, but uh, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a guitar you learn on, let's put yeah. it that way, you know, it's not, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I spent a lot, I, I don't really even know, I think I had a friend that uh, was big into like uh, the Red Dirt Texas country music scene, he was, like a lot of where I was in school, they were Texas uh, the, like a lot of the athletes were from Texas, and um, so that's sort of the first music I, I gravitated towards. And a lot of that is like this singer songwriter thing, you know. Um, and this has this independent streak. And I, you know, at the time that you know, and even now, I mean, that just really appealed to me. And and um, you know, from there, you know, I graduated, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I know I didn't want to go back home and uh, uh, you know work for my dad at the time uh, in construction or on the farm. I was just kind of uh I didn't want to didn't want to do it and and I mean it's it's nice to have those opportunities you know he had a he had a, a construction business like a pipeline business and I could have could have gone and done that but um I was not done following that passion and so I I went to grad school and got my masters at the University of Arkansas all the while really I'm just buying time learning how to play music and yeah. and you know that's really what I was doing <laughs> but the time demands were different and I had a I had a great deal I could go be a teaching assistant and get my you know I didn't have any debt that way and um that was that was really the time where I learned how to play and and uh learned how to you know at least sit on a stool. I I don't even think I had a band at the time. I was just, um, you know, kind of um, just doing all these acoustic things like that. So you're in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. You're studying basically just so you can learn C, G, and D. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so uh, tell me about. Do you remember like like one of your first gigs? Mm-hmm. One of my first gigs. Was that, I mean, it's you're always at like these restaurants. I remember when I was in when I was still in undergrad. I, I had this, I got this gig. It was like every Tuesday night I went to play at this uh, at this restaurant, and I was playing supposed to play like the twenty greatest drinking songs of 
of all time. Like, and it turns out that I wrote like half of them because I would just yeah. play half original music at this place. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why I thought I always took the liberty, but I always played original. I would play cover stuff, but I always played originals, and I really didn't care yeah. uh, if anyone liked it or not. <laughs> I just played it, and uh, um, that was one of the first uh, gigs I ever had. I had a, I had a. Uh, a, a deal down in Fort Smith where I would go every, you know, I can't remember if it was weekly or monthly or something like that. And then, you know, you're in Fayetteville. I'd play it. Uh, I'd play at some bars around there and then uh, back around Little Rock. I'd do that. And then, you know, I'd get down to Texas DFW as much as I could. And I just kind of sort of started to grow uh, that way, just in places that would let me come plug my guitar in. Yeah. Yeah. So you get your master's degree from arkansas mm-hmm. graduate mm-hmm. what's the next step uh then i moved home and i and i was i was getting where i could stay busy enough uh playing music to where i could you know kind of live hand to mouth you know the overhead was really low you know mm-hmm. i could go i could i could play an acoustic show and go make you know 200 bucks you know on a on a couple nights in a weekend and i mean i'd pay my rent and the gas to get there and things like that and um but in between there, I would uh, I went back and worked for my dad, and uh, you know worked on my grandma's farm, took care of it, um, and then eventually, uh, you know, got busy enough where I wasn't doing that, and then and then had some success writing some songs with some Texas artists to the point where I was like, well, you know, if I can do that in this scene, you know, maybe maybe Nashville's the move for me as a songwriter, and and really, I was thinking I would move to Nashville write songs for other big artists to sing and like make little like weird records of my own you know kind of singer songwritery kind of stuff not not necessarily singer songwritery but more let's say um americana is ish kind of thing kind of follow my muse a little bit more mm-hmm. and uh so i moved to nashville and and started trying to uh, pursue a publishing deal and um eventually uh after after not having opportunities uh, eventually got the opportunity uh, to sign a publishing deal, which turned into um, me putting out an EP with that with that publishing company independently, and it had "Prayed for You" on it, uh, amongst some other songs. And um, that's really where the rubber met the road for me in terms of being an artist. It was um, it started to stream, and then it got playlisted, and then we shot a music video for it, and people watched it. And um, you know, there's you. you there's so much data and things like that that you can, I, I learned after the fact that, you know, people that are watching can tell, um, you know, songs that are bubbling up, whether it's, um, you know, YouTube views on a music video or streams or, you know, what, what have you. And so that got us some interest from, um, a one record label in particular out of New York and, uh, that had no country background, but just said, these numbers look like this is what a song looks like that performs well. And, and, you know, we believe in what you're doing and, and we want to, you know, basically sign you to a deal based on this, you know, song. And, um, you know, that turned into, um, you know, charting that song, which turned into a major, my deal turning into a major record label deal after that with the, you know, the same people partnering with, with uh, Sony Arista. And, um, you know, it, it just all fell into place because of the song, which is really a great way for that to happen. Yeah. Do you remember when you first heard it on the radio? Yeah, so I remember 
I won't say that that when I first heard it, you know, I heard it in Nashville. Um, what station I, was it? Uh, Big ninety eight right. there in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it better have been Big ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one oh, it was definitely the Big ninety eight. No, it, it was. Um, I'm trying to think. That was the first time I heard it. I, I'd heard it back in uh, back in Arkansas. Uh, my little local station, had, you know, had played songs that I'd played before, so that you know that was really cool. But the time that I like ever heard it out in the wild the first time that wasn't someplace I lived I was in Vegas and I got in an Uber and it was playing yeah and this lady I was named Carol or Janet or like <laughs> one of she was she was a Carol and I said I was like she had the haircut yeah 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 <laughs> like yeah. The, I want to talk to the manager haircut. exactly yeah. exactly and country music on the rate on her dial yeah. <laughs> and uh and I said uh Carol that's me and she said what I said that's that's me on the radio right there. And she said, uh, no, it's not. And I said, no, no, yeah, it is. And uh, we talked for a little while. And that was the first time I was I was getting an Uber in Vegas. Did you tip her well? I did. That's I good. did. Because once you say that's me, yeah, yeah once you say, like, you don't want to flex on somebody like that and be like, hey, yeah, it's me on the radio. And then, and then like, not, not tip them. Yeah, no, I did. I did for sure. Um, so what year did you move to Nashville? I think it was 14. Okay. I think. Okay. It I was in and out so I had um a buddy of mine that moved to town and he would basically just let me rent out a room in his house as I needed it. So mm-hmm. I would, you know, if I came and stayed a weekend out of like two weekends out of the month, you know, I'd pay him something. If I just came and stayed a night, I wouldn't. He was really great uh, about that. So I had that set up and then so it was kind of like that dipping your toe in the water and and I I kind of thought that I could be there a week out of the month and, and get some things going. Um, but this just, uh, at least in my case, and, and for most cases, not really how it, it works. I mean, it can, but it, that's, that's not really how you need to do it, especially because, you know, part of the thing about moving to Nashville isn't just that's where the industry is. It's that's where the songs are written, and that's where the, you know, the people that you need to be around to inspire you and to learn from uh, to to learn how to write songs is there and putting in that time of of uh, you know cultivating your craft you know uh, honing your craft a little bit is is every bit more it's more important than than be, that's the most important reason to be there not just because the industry is there yeah I mean I I think it's one of those things that a lot of people don't understand or know but country music is um, is different than other genres where these publishing deals people come together, like you had a publishing deal, mm-hmm. which means it'll be like, hey, at noon tomorrow, you're going to meet up with Benji Davis and you're going to write, yeah. uh, you're going to write a song about something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, or, or yeah, we would like get in a room and, and throw out titles and throw out ideas and, and, uh, depending on who we're writing for, you know, mm-hmm. any more now that, you know, I'm in this artist position, uh, I, we usually go in a room, I usually go in a writer's room with me as the artist in mind with other people trying, you know, writing songs, but not always, but, but usually. Yeah. And yeah, that is, um, pop music works uh, in similar ways to can, but it, country music, it's really, you know, you get in there, throw some titles out and, um, you know, very seldom do it. Do we not leave with a song? Yeah. But like, I, I imagine the, the vibe in the room for writing a song that you know is going to be yours mm-hmm. is different than, you know, you're just in a songwriting session with someone else and you're just throwing out ideas. I guess my question is, um, does sometimes you have good ideas in like songwriting sessions that you're like, I got to keep that for my own stuff? Um, I mean, 
Yes and no, um, because there definitely is uh, – that definitely does happen. There's definitely been times where I'm like, I have this idea that I have this relationship with these other writers. I think this will be a great title for us to write. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nowadays – uh, my experience in writing is so different because my time demands are so great that I don't like the pool of people that I write with just necessarily has to contract because I don't have time. So I end up writing with people that I've written with a lot. Yeah. I mean, I still write with new people, but not as much as I used to just because I can't. So there's, there's, um, you know, I know who, at least I have an idea of like this idea work good for this person, this idea work, you know, well with this person to write it. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you typically try to, try to point your, uh, your titles in the, in the, give them the best chance to succeed. Yeah. So prayed for you kind of like starts this snowball effect mm-hmm. effectively. Um, and then things start happening. You, you book this 24 date tour all across the United States is touring something that you like or kind of, I don't know, deal with. So you can end up getting the music out to more people. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Really? Yeah, it's um, the I'm in a really great position because I get to create music and go play it for people. And if I had to pick one or the other, I don't know which I would choose. Maybe maybe I would choose songwriting because that lifestyle is a little more conducive to to like not dying. Yeah. But because uh, <laughs> touring is is tour is tough. It's it's the best, but it's just it's hard work. I mean, it's it's, it's very difficult. Um. But no, I love it, man. And I'm at a point, I mean, I used to drive everywhere all the time for anybody that would let me play music, period. And now, and just pray that somebody would be there, you know, put out my own music and just be like, well, you know, hope to God, you know, a few dozen people come and I can afford, you know, to, to the fuel to get home. Yeah. And now, um, to, to, be on the side of something where we started a tour this um, just this weekend uh, here on the West Coast in places that I've, uh, you know, I played in San Diego on Friday night and I'd played there literally like 364 days prior, just me and an acoustic guitar opening up for Michael Ray. And uh, I'd never been in that market before. And then we come back a year later and it's all but sold out. And be- like it's an absolute dream come true that I get to go do that. And then the next night go down the road and play to a similar crowd of a place that I've never been before and people show up. It's magic and I just love it. What's one thing about touring that people that have never been on a a tour would understand or know? Hmm. The one thing that folks uh sleep just sucks yeah. like, like trying to get trying to figure out how to get i don't sleep well on a, on a bus that's moving um getting jostled around probably probably that probably uh though there's a lot of um there can be a lot of dead time there's a lot of hurry up and wait there's also a lot of uh when you have to be someplace that's a long way away how long it takes to get someplace in a bus and how like the just the logistics of things it just it's incredible how, keeping things organized. My tour manager, I I don't know how they do it. Like <laughs> I I really don't. <laughs> I used to just I used to just go to a show, drive the van and trailer, set up the PA sometimes, set up the merch, set up the ears rig, all the instruments. The last thing on my mind was playing the show, play the show, tear all that down, sell the merch, put all that back in the trailer, and drive until I couldn't anymore, and just book the first awfulest hotels yeah. that you like just 
that used to be how I operated. And now I, there's like, I get up in the morning and there's this piece of paper that has times (laughs) and words next to them that is like, we do this here and this here and this here. And I'm like, wow. This is incredible. Uh, I love an itinerary. Yeah, it, it just it's crazy having an itinerary. Um, I got to see you perform once. Um, I was at this wedding uh, down in Mexico. Ah. Um, I don't know if you know, but I'm the bartender on a show called Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful show. Um, and basically, I give bad advice and worse <laughs> drinks out. And I was invited to a wedding between two wonderful, crazy people uh, of whom I got to uh, spend a season with uh, the year prior, uh, the Goose and Crystal. And you, my friend actually played that song pray for you at the wedding i did yeah that was uh it was pretty incredible um it was in mexico and i was in mexico for a total of like 22 hours like we flew in the night before and we you know or yeah we flew in not in the morning of and then we flew out the next yeah the next night and it was great it was great it was like it was it's like I was playing music at a wedding. I didn't really know anybody. Yeah, was, that's all I wanted to know. Like, did you know Chris or did you know no. Crystal? No. So the producers just sit you up and we're like, hey, listen, we need we need something to be interesting here. We need you to play some music. Yeah, yeah. We need some music for it. I had the opportunity and, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I was super familiar with uh, the Bachelor franchise uh, before that. Yeah. But being from a sports background, I did what uh, – what any uh, sportsman does is I went and got a scouting report yeah. uh, from people that have, that knew about it, and I watched some game film <laughs> and uh, and learned learned some background. Honestly, I thought that uh, that wedding that I played at there, you know, I think sometimes you know there's this like people think there's an inauthenticity about you know re- relationships in that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the vibe that I've gotten from people who you know aren't fans or whatever. Uh, it was like every other wedding I've ever played, with except with more cameras. Yeah, like it was these. It was just it was people. They were. Ha- I mean, it was there, nothing came off as like inauthentic, you know, to me. And you know, it's just sport dating. It's what it's what yeah. it is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the yeah. same thing. It's like if I, I like to always say like if aliens came down. Yeah. Tomorrow and they went to. Staples Center on Tuesday, and they watched ten people try to throw an orange ball into a hoop. Yeah, and then they turned the television on, and then they saw people trying to like <laughs> date each other on TV. Which one's weirder? You know, I, I don't know. They're probably equally as odd to the aliens. So, like, whatever, man. People like what they like. It's fine. What I remember of that day, um, because television, much like touring, is a lot of hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. And what I remember of that day was they were trying to figure out camera angles and lighting, and I felt so bad for you because you had to play the first, like, you know, 47 chords over and over and over. <laughs> I and did, over. and that's right. <laughs> I was not, I didn't just get up there and play Prayed for You during the ceremony. I played acoustic guitar through the entire procession. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't. I didn't really realize that part of it. It's like I guess it's a good thing that I learned all those chords. That's <laughs> a good thing I learned all that. So I, I mean, I just just played guitar and just made noise while these people are walking down. I'm like, I, I hope you like yeah. this. This is not, you know, I, I'm a serviceable guitar player, but I'm by no means a 
a slinger. So, but yeah, I did. I was like for 15 minutes just yeah. playing as we walked the moms and stuff down the aisle. Yeah, like I wasn't allowed to be in that shot because effectively I had to be back at the bar because I don't know if you remember if you watched that episode, but there was mm-hmm. a lot of drama that episode. Yeah, and like a lot what, of tears, a lot of a lot of crying. Yeah. Uh, there was one girl who who's a bridesmaid who was trying tr- trying to like get back at her ex and like came in there like she was walking the runway. It's beautiful. And then what happened was they had to send everyone. They, half the people got to stay. The hope was that there was going to be like a um, walk of shame situation that happened later. <laughs> Didn't happen. Um, but I wasn't allowed to be in the shot because I was supposed to be at, back at the bar. When they sent everyone back, I was I had to be like, "What happened?" You know. Yeah. But I wanted to go to the wedding because I know Chris and uh, Crystal. Um, and I remember turning to a producer and I was like, "This poor guy's f-ing hands are going to fall off <laughs> because he's been having to play these chords over and over and over again." Um, so, anyways, um, I'm glad that we have this one common denominator, which is Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, totally. And I'll tell you another funny thing about that was we probably spent more time at the airport than we did at the uh, at the compound there, which is mm-hmm. just beautiful in Paradise. But it's because. My, you know, we're going through customs, and my manager, I, I flew in from like, actually, I flew in from uh, where I went to college in Missouri, like the next day, and my manager met me there. I didn't have like, he brought all of his clothes, like, so the like the person that sends clothes just sent a bunch of clothes, right? Yeah. So we get to, um, <laughs> we get to the customs, and 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 they're like, cool. So how long, you know, what are you here for? Oh, for a wedding. Like, okay, cool. Uh, how long are you here? Oh, we're leaving tomorrow. And the guy was like. <laughs> You have three <laughs> giant suitcases uh, yeah. here, and you're staying for a for a day. Yeah, and uh, so he had to explain this, like, yeah, well, there's like we didn't know what to wear, so that, I guess they thought we were gonna. You like, were drug just, mules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what they thought. They thought it was <laughs> it was bringing in all these drugs. <laughs> um, Matt Stell on the Wells cast right now. You've got a second single. It's a title track to uh, EP, an EP out called Everywhere But On. Mm-hmm. Um, it's impacting on radio right now. Is Big 98 playing it? Yes, they are playing are they? it. They if, you, if they're be. not Gator, I will text Gator, I'm texting right, Gator now, right now. Right now and say, Gator, I don't know what the hell's going on over there, but let's get it going. Yeah. Can, can we hear a little bit of it, Easton? Can I ask who's that? Who that's about? Uh, that song has a lot of uh, me uh, in it. Uh, that song's a, a, about um, basically. I went. I wrote that with two of my good friends in Nashville, and I, I walked in. And my buddy Paul was like, "Hey, man, I got this title. You know, I've moved everywhere but on." And typically, when you're when you're writing songs, you know, like we mentioned before, you, not always, but a lot of times, you start from the title, right? So. Uh, as soon as he threw that, a lot of times you would throw titles out and just kind of pick the, you know, oh, let's do this, let's do that, that's cool, let's, or maybe that's this or that's that, but he threw that title out, I was like, dude, that's awesome, let's write that, I know that guy and that song, and, um, you know, I get to live the dream, I, I, I love it, uh, but the the costs of uh, what I do, of getting to play music and, and, and travel and tour, it, it, the cost can be pretty high, uh, you know, personally in terms of like relationships and things. And, um, sometimes keeping the wheels rolling is a, is a good way to uh, get over stuff, but it's also can be a way to just not deal with things as well. And, um, you know, I've just been there. And, and so that's what that, that song is really personal to me. It's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. And, um, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of that stuff in that song. 
Very cool. I want to uh, be respectful of your time let you get out of here, but I but first I want to do some rapid-fire questions. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, rapid-fire questions in the Wells cast with Matt Stell. Number one, uh, first kiss. I think I was in kindergarten in the book center. Man. Uh, this girl named Jennifer. She had, like, long hair. I saw I remember. I don't know if she had a face or not. I can't remember. <laughs> she had long hair. Kindergarten, huh? I think so. Damn, impressive. <laughs> uh, first concert you ever went to? Uh, first concert. It was uh, Alan Jackson and, uh, yeah, it was an Alan Jackson. I, I, I fell asleep in the middle of, I was like a small, small child. Oh, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, Randy Travis and Alan Jackson, and I was so small, like I fell asleep and my mom was trying to wake me up and be like, did you love this song? And I was like, a child. So, Favorite venue to play? Oh, I guess the Opry. Yeah? Yeah. Over the pretty, Ryman. Pretty special. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess the Opry show, but the Ryman was pretty special. I did play there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's say the Ryman, yeah. Okay. Uh, what was your first job? Uh, working for my dad, um, laying water line for a, this construction. I never got the answer from you. What kind of um, farm did you grow up on? Cattle. Okay. Yeah. You're like a real country country star you know <laughs> i've i've lived uh i've lived a country life you're very authentic i love this <laughs> what was your first car my first car was a 1986 uh dodge power ram it was uh 318 it was uh yeah it was up on like 30 33s yeah it, it was, was it was it was just chocolate brown super ugly uh, <laughs> was it lifted uh, yo, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Had had a KC lights and roll bar in the back of it. I looked like uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, <laughs> if he was like a broke redneck child. Celebrity, you're uh, getting mistaken for. Celebrity, well, I'll flatter myself if I do that. Um, <laughs> I get I get Ashton Kutcher every now and then. That's I get one. I get uh, Timothy Oliphant uh, actually as well. All right. Um, so yeah, those two. Also, Brad Pitt. I yep. get. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that. Wells Adams. Oh, yeah. I get. Uh, <laughs> uh, who would you call to get you out of jail? Oh, I would call my manager Brendan Rich to get me out of jail because he he would uh, get me out and he would help me bury the bodies. So. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet. Oh, turn down service. Yeah. God. <laughs> it's just fresh on my mind. But somebody's going to have to explain me this turn down service. I like it's just an intrusion on my time and space. I, you've already cleaned my room. I don't. I don't need you in there. I need to take a nap at a weird hour so that I can go have mezcal drinks with my manager to have to get me out of jail later for it. And I. I need those precious rim cycles, and I don't need uh, the chocolate. On turn, the- I don't need that. I don't need that. God, extra. I feel that so hard, man. That is actually one of the best answers we've gotten for that. It just happened yesterday. <laughs> That's why it's so fresh on my mind. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, teacher that influenced, you, uh, in- influenced your life the most. Teacher that influenced my life the most. Wow, that's a really great question. Uh, full disclosure, my grandmother was one of my... I, I graduated high school with 27 kids, and my grandmother was one of my high school teachers. So I'm going to not say her, even though it was clearly her. She's, yeah. she's my grandma. Um, I had a... Uh, I had a professor, my, my advisor in, in college, uh, Chris Panza, actually really um, uh, down the road, as I see, look back, really influenced me, challenged me with some ideas and uh, taught me uh, how to think critically. And uh, I appreciate him a lot. Last person you texted on your phone. 
Uh, the last person I text on my phone might have been Ingrid Andrus, actually. Yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. She was, uh, we were hanging out with her manager last night, and she went to bed early, I guess, so we're making plans to hang out and uh, later, I guess. I don't know. That's probably the last person I text. Who is the most famous person in your contacts in your phone? Most famous person in my contacts in my phone? Um, I don't know if I have any famous people in my phone. Uh, I'm not that cool. Uh, at all uh you played lebron james in high school yeah i think you're pretty cool that's true i don't know if i have any famous people's names in my phone all right well dang that's gotta change that i probably do i just can't think of anything i'll give you my fiance's number that'll that'll (laughs) work right i got jimmy allen's number does that that count yeah Yeah, that works yeah uh mastel thank you so much for coming on the wells cast uh super interesting story I mean, you have a master's degree, <laughs> and you're a country star. Well, that's bonkers, man. I yeah, man. It's just like I said before, though. It's like following. I was just doing things I thought was interesting, and and uh, luckily it left a paper trail. Yeah, <laughs> because it could have just been reading books, you know. But I guess, but um, yeah, it's a crazy ride. Yeah. Well, anyways, thank you so much. Um, Continued success. And everyone out there, um, go download or stream everywhere. uh, But on where can people find more information about you or go see you uh, in concert and stuff? Uh, we're we're all over the country this uh, first part of of the year touring. I mean, you can just plug, you know, Instagram, Facebook, just the Internet in general. Just type my name in and the information will populate. So any any of that stuff, and uh, yeah, the tour has been fantastic. Uh, my band is so so damn good. So we we have a great time. All right. If you want to come back to Paradise next year, you just let me know. All I'm right? in. I'm All in. Right? Book me. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.